The following program is a presentation of Grand Slam Ministries. Hi again, everybody, and welcome to the Dan Scott Show. And you just heard, as always, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. I am Dan. It is episode 27. We officially began the second half of the first year of this venture with today's episode. And I think I may have mentioned this last week, that as I get older, the clock seems to run a lot faster. Can you believe that we are already in the second week of July in the year of 2023? Time continues to march on, and I'm just doing my best to try and keep up. It's good to be back and doing it in the uh, the weekly routine again. The last couple of weeks, Angela and I were off on vacation, uh, a, a vacation that we had been very much looking forward to and wanted to do for a couple of years, and it finally came to fruition this year. But we visited San Diego and the Grand Canyon, saw Major League Baseball games at San Diego, Kansas City, and Cincinnati. A lot of places in between, and uh, just thankful for God's protection and provision. It was a much-needed getaway for the both of us. But we're back and looking forward to um, getting things rolling and seeing what God has in store for us in the second half of the year. And uh, to that end, as we are in this period of the summer months here trying to enjoy it as much as possible and if you're in the business i'm in which is uh, collegiate broadcasting the summer is truncated quite a bit because uh, come august 1st Furman university football players will be back on campus and camp opens and, and we are back at it full bore so uh, the month of july kind of is the end of my downtime uh, what we're going to do over the course of the next few weeks uh, because we've added so many affiliates since the the early months of the show we're up to 13 affiliates now when we started back on january the 8th we had just two and many of you in the listening audience have not had a chance to hear some of the early interviews that we did last week was the first time we repeated one when we replayed the interview i did with uh, one of my main mentors don harper and we're going to do another one today and maybe over the course of the next three or four weeks do the same thing kind of flash back to some early interviews in the first half of this first year so those of you who are have joined us on the fly have a chance to hear some of the the great stories that god has provided us through people and the one you're going to hear today actually aired on the second week that we were doing this show it's with a former major league baseball pitcher named brandon puffer i will tell you about him and you will hear that interview when we come back. But as always, I want you to hear something first about Grand Slam Ministries. Grand Slam Ministries exists to glorify Jesus Christ in multiple ways. Through this radio show and its accompanying online, digital, and video components. Through our sister websites, danscottshow.org and grandslamministries.org. And through furthering our core missions, mentorship, and providing food and other necessities to children. None of this is possible without your prayers and support. 
By making a gift to Grand Slam Ministries today, you'll not only help this program remain on this radio station, you'll help us grow our family of stations, allowing us to bring stories of God working in the lives of men and women everywhere to a larger audience. And at the same time, your gift will help us in the initial launch of those core mission programs. Grand Slam Ministries is in its infancy. We need your support. Will you help us today? Visit our website at grandslamministries.org and prayerfully consider a one-time or monthly gift today. Above and beyond anything else, please pray for our ministry. Thank you, and God bless. Like what you hear? Have a question or comment? Maybe a guest suggestion? Drop us an email and let us know. Dan at danscottshow.org And now, back to the Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Dan Scott Show on this Sunday. Good to have you with us wherever you are on any of our 13 affiliates or after it's aired live, if you're catching it on the podcast archive. Thank you. Please tell other people about it. Like, share, do all of those things you're supposed to do on social media and help us grow uh, this new venture called The Dan Scott Show and Grand Slam Ministries. As mentioned, over the next uh, handful of weeks, we're going to replay some of the interviews that we did in the early portion of the show. And this particular interview aired back in week two in early January. Brandon Puffer is a former Major League Baseball pitcher who found himself in jail uh, because of uh, an alcohol-fueled bad decision he made one night. And in fact, he woke up in jail the next morning with no memory of what he had done and ended up costing him the rest of his Major League Baseball career and uh, some time in prison. And in fact, he wrote a book about the the entire process called From the Bullpen to the State Pen. But as always, these interviews are about God's redemptive grace and how he has turned Brandon Puffer's life around. So you're going to enjoy this, I believe, if you haven't heard it before. And uh, we started off by me just making the observation that the title of the book was very much self-explanatory. Yes, it is. It is. Absolutely. And when I started this journey to sharing my story and, and then realized it may be a book, that was my only thing. I was like, I've got this title. God downloaded it to me. And so we got to use that. Everything else is up for grabs, but we got to use it. So it is. It is. It's it kind of, uh, as you, I'm sure you know it is that story of me kind of making it, you know, to the top and then having that big fall from grace and actually, I know we'll get into it, but doing some time. And so from the bullpen to the state pen. Well, let, let's, let's tell the story. At least we don't want to do the entire book because we want people to buy it, but we, <laughs> we, we do want to tell the story, uh, your yeah. story here on, on the show. So let, let's go all the way back um, mm-hmm. and, and tell me about your love affair with the game of baseball. Oh man, absolutely. And, uh, I'd say it started when I was about seven, uh, like a lot of you know young men. I grew up in Southern California, the Orange County area, and uh, my dad was my first coach, and 
got me in there. I was only able to play at the age of seven back then. You had to be, I might've been five. You had to be seven, but since he coached, they let me tag along and I got in there and played and just fell in love with it. And so um, that was my dream. My goal for my entire life was to become a a major league baseball player. And, um, you know, fast forwarding a little bit, it's the passion for the game. And then, you know, God blessing me with some, some ability to do it, um, let it lended itself to me being drafted out of high school and kind of starting that journey. When did you realize that you were pretty good? Um, you know, I always kind of had a knack for it. I would say right around 10 years old, um, I, I jumped up to the 10 through 12. It was little, true little league. So it was called little league majors and it was ages 10 through 12. And I jumped up there at 10 and, and, had a pretty good season and realized, okay, this is pretty good. And then at 12, I had a huge growth spurt. And that's when things really kind of changed for me. I was that, that guy that was bigger than everybody else on the team. <laughs> kind of, you, you see the team photo and, and so just, you know, just grew a little, a little earlier than everybody else. And so that kind of catapulted me into a little bit more success out there and confidence. And so, like yeah, you're, you're bigger than everybody. You throw harder than everybody. You hit the ball further than everybody. Kind of the, the prototypical story, right? Yeah. At that point. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you get on the level playing field eventually and realize, oh, all these guys were that guy. Okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the other side of the coin. Uh, everybody, yeah. everybody's the man until they go somewhere else, and and yeah. and, and then realize there are a lot of men out there. Absolutely, and then you got to figure out what what's the separator at that point. So yeah, no, I'd say you know pretty early on when I was young, and then I actually had a little um, shoulder issue my sophomore year of high school that set me back a little bit, and so that you know kind of a little bit of adversity and you're not quite as strong as you were in terms of throwing as hard. And so that was my first taste of like, okay, there's more to this than just being talented and, and um, having a passion for it. You've got to really learn how to overcome adversity and be consistent and persevere through some things. And to get to the big leagues also, there, there's a work ethic that goes along that we'll talk about here in a moment. That That's when you fell in love with baseball when did you fall in love with Jesus? And I know this is kind of a two-part story. Let, let's talk about yeah. the first time. Absolutely, Dan. So I, I to go back a little further again, back to my childhood, I was raised in a home, um, two parents, had a younger brother. Um, my mom was very, very faith, faith, Christianity. Jesus was a huge part of her life, so much so that she volunteered at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren 30 years ago, and she became the first female pastor ever ordained there. She's had a pastoral care over that church. So, you know, it was there. We, I mean, we definitely had to go and she was making sure we were in church, but my dad, Dan was, was, you know, he didn't have faith in his life at that time. He was uh, actually a PK. He was a pastor's kid and he was a rebel. He was a big guy, a tough guy, uh, uh, you know, drinking alcohol. You know, he, every time I do a podcast, they're like, man, you always throw dad under the bus, but he, he has fun with it. Cause it's the truth. And so, you know, I, I kind of resented my mom's faith a little bit. Cause I looked up to my dad so much. And then when my dad, uh, early in my high school years, my dad went to celebrate recovery. He got sober. He gave his life to Christ. And it kind of really opened up my eyes to I saw an actual change. I only knew my mom one way, and it's great. She's been the most consistent rock you could ever imagine. Right. But when I saw the life change in my dad, it woke me up. And then in 98, 1998, during one of my off seasons, um, I prayed to receive Christ at Saddleback Church in their um, college group at that time. And so, um, yeah, man, I, I did... I got sober for five years, kind of a white knuckle ride because I wasn't really surrendered, but I definitely fell in love with Christ and, and, and his word was introduced to me and all those good things in 98. And so I wish that was the end of the story, but you know, there's more. Well, yeah, 
someday I'll, I'll share my story with you because I, I, I seem to have a lot in common with your dad as we move forward. Pre- preacher's kid, alcohol, yeah. all kinds yeah. of other stuff. But uh, that's another story for another time. Let, sure. Let's let so so you you make that that profession of faith, and, and then is it something that you more or less just kind of put in your back pocket and like, okay, I, I've ticked that box, and, and and let's go on about business, or or what was your life like at that time? No, you know, not really. I mean, it was definitely my life changed a hundred percent. And I, I got more involved in, in the word and I got more involved in, you know, FCA events and, and became, went to baseball chapel much more often. So I definitely um, felt the tug and, and it was definitely changed. Again, the biggest, the biggest thing that happened was I, for the first time, attempted sobriety with with Jesus as my strength and that was the only way you can do it I found out and so I, I did I had five years of sobriety I was I was walking the walk I was you know baseball the lifestyle is very very difficult um, to be to be a good family man and be a follower of Christ a faithful follower of Christ and um, not to say people don't do it and do it well they do but I struggled with it and so for the first five years my walk with with the Lord was, was good. And then I, I got separated from my first wife. So my first kind of true life, um, you know, experience, I was going to test my faith. And unfortunately, the, the devil just took that opportunity to plant those little seeds and get that foothold back in my life. And, you know, it's five years, you're more mature and older, why not just have a couple beers with the guys again. And, and I let that foothold back in my life again in uh, 2004. And it just hit me, Slippery slope, very immediate, very quick. And man, once I was back in there, the fight was on. It was really hard to get back out of for me. We are talking with uh, Brandon Puffer, former major league pitcher who has written a new book, From the Bullpen to the State Pen. Get the name right this time. Uh, And we'll tell you how you can get your copy of that a little bit later on. But let's pause that part of the story now and, and let's go back to the passion for baseball and realizing the dream that I know I had when I was a kid and, and many, many guys did to get to put on a major league baseball uniform. You get drafted and you, you get the opportunity to play in the big leagues. So, so take us through that part of the story. Oh, absolutely. Yes, sir. I was drafted out of high school by the Minnesota twins, 1994. Um, at that time, no internet or Twitter, or any of that stuff. Right. So it was uh, literally, they announced it over our loudspeaker at school because in California, we were still in school at the time and right. uh, announced that I got drafted. I went and did our, our graduation. And the next day I was in Florida in rookie ball <laughs> across the country, not prepared. And um, so the, the road to putting on that major league uniform in itself was pretty long. It was uh, four releases from different organizations. It was about eight years in the minors, a stop at independent ball before that. And then sure enough, with a little per- perseverance and some luck and God's grace in 2002, April, I got called up by the Houston Astros and I met the team in Cincinnati. So I got to walk in that visiting clubhouse and see all those jerseys, man, Bagwell and Berkman and Biggio and Wagner and man, there was Puffer. So I didn't, I didn't feel like I fit in. It was a little imposter syndrome for sure. But uh, that was my first experience with that. And, And what a, what a huge blessing, huge honor. My family flew out and everybody was there for the debut in Cincinnati. So it was very fun. It's kind of interesting you and I are doing this interview and that your major league debut would be in Cincinnati because I'm a lifelong Reds fan. So, oh, okay. so yeah, that, that, that's an interesting little tie-in. What kept you going? You talked about the, the different organizations and, and eight years in the minors and being released multiple times and, 
and 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 playing independent ball what what kept you going um you know Dan, honestly just um just a, a passion for that dream uh, i was raised you know by by parents that would speak life into me my mom was a triathlete she understood sacrifice and hard work and those types of things and it just kind of every time it came down to um you know thinking about another option it was just what else would i rather do and as long as there's another opportunity i'm going to keep keep kind of beating down doors until I get my opportunity. And so just a perseverance, a love for the game. I knew it was the only thing I wanted to do um, at that time. And I felt, you know, called to do it. So I wasn't going to quit until there was absolutely zero options or opportunities. And it looked like that in 2000 when I went to indie ball, independent ball, I was like, okay, is this it? And then thank God I stuck with it and got some other opportunities. Where where was the independent ball? Uh, I was with the Somerset Patriots in New Jersey um really cool experience i actually got to i went on a radio show with a guy who was our radio guy at that time mm-hmm. a couple of days ago and we got to rehash that he asked me what my thought of it was and i'm like man that was an awakening it was good baseball and former big leaguers in the lineup former big leaguers as the staff and kind of really matured me in my game it was a great stop for me visiting with brandon puffer I'm former big league pitcher uh, tell me about the the big league debut you, you got called up in, in april of of uh what did you say 2004 and uh, uh april 2002 2002 2002 yeah. so so tell tell me about the first time you took the mound oh man i'm happy to and i know with being a reds fan you're gonna love it we uh we were in cincinnati still so just a couple of days after i got there and i'm sitting in the bullpen you know it's nice to just be taking it all in but i knew at some point we gotta get out there and do some work so um they, the phone rang said puffy you have the ninth inning uh, I think it was seven to three. We were winning, came out for the bottom of the ninth against your Reds. And uh, first guy I faced was Todd Walker. I uh, struck him out and I was like, wow, this is so easy. <laughs> so got another person out. I don't remember who it was. We got two outs. We're, we're, we're doing it. And then um, Barry Larkin hits a double. I hit Jason LaRue in the back. Uh, now there's some runners on and they're only a couple swings away from tying it up. So around that time, and I, it sounded like a cannon was going on in the visiting pen. And they had our closer up, Billy Wagner, in a hurry, going, hey, we, we want to see this kid succeed, but not at the cost of a game. So um, so Jimmy Williams, I'm going to back up just a second, spring training, veteran manager, had a meeting with us and said, look, if I come out to talk to you at the mound, I'm pulling you out. There's no conversation. If it's going to be a conversation, we're going to send the pitching coach, Bert Hooten, at the time. So I remember that I filed that away and he came walking out and I'm like, Oh man, my major league debut. I'm out of here. And he goes, I went to handle the ball. And he said, wait a minute, Puff, wait a minute. So I took the ball back and he, he literally, this is what happened. This sounds storybook, but it is what happened. Jimmy said, so Puff, it's your major league debut. You got some family in the stands. You going to make some phone calls after this. I said, I've got some family here and I'll call the rest when I get out. And he said, how about, how about, what are you going to eat? You're going to go to the clubhouse. You're going to take your family out for dinner, spend some money. Man, I'll probably snack in the clubhouse and take my family out. And he goes, well, good. I bet they're hungry, and I know I am, so get this last out so we can get out of here. <laughs> amazing tactic by a veteran to calm me down. You're still in the game. I got the next guy out, Juan Encarnacion, and got to shake hands with you know the whole staff and do the whole thing, and it was really cool. They let me finish that out and the way he went about it. Can I tell you a quick story about Billy Wagner? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in in 1993, I was a sports editor in Rocky Mountain, North Carolina, which I tell people is not the end of the world, but you can see it there. And <laughs> and, and uh, North Carolina Wesleyan 
was a Division Three baseball power at the time, coached by Mike Fox, who went on to have a lot of success at the University of North Carolina. Um, they, they hosted the NCAA regional at North Carolina Wesleyan that year and played Ferrum College in the finals. And two days before, Billy Wagner, who was a starter for Ferrum, had thrown like 130 pitches and a one nothing or 2-1 loss or something. They brought him in in the eighth inning, I believe it was, to face the Division Three Player of the Year that year and a guy who was drafted by the Baltimore Orioles named Tom DeQuilla. Two days after throwing over 130 pitches, and he struck him out on four pitches, going 96, 97, 98, and 99 on the gun wow. at the time. For, That's for, awesome. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. He's such a competitor. Yeah. And I always tell people back then, sitting in the bullpen, not, nobody threw 100 then, right, Dan? So mm-hmm. when Billy is exactly how every outing would happen for him at home, 97, the crowd would get going a little bit, 98 a little bit, 99. Then he hit 100 and they go crazy. I'll, I'll never forget it. I loved every minute of it. So, so how fast were you? Oh, my topped out at like 94. I was a sidearm guy, so just relied on movement and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Now, ninety four on the old gun. What would ninety four on the new gun? Because you know now they're ma- they're they're measuring the ball out of hand as opposed to when it crosses the plate, and the technology yeah. has changed. So now everybody throws a hundred. They do, they do. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think I threw pretty hard for that angle, but again, just kind of relying on movement, trying to miss barrels and all that good stuff. But yeah, guys like Wagner might be throwing one twenty now. <laughs> no kidding. No kidding. Brandon Puffer joining us. All right. So got the big league debut. Um, before we we get to the the meat of of your story uh and 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 the title of of the book the circumstances around you getting a world series ring for a team that you never threw a pitch for in in 2004 the red sox yes sir how about that so uh 2004 like you said i'm i'm uh, playing for the san diego padres i'm in the big leagues uh the, the inaugural season for petco i'm about an hour away from my hometown living on the beach and um we're on a plane flight home from a road trip. And they said, Hey, you got traded to the Red Sox. You're going to go to Boston. Da, 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 da. And our first reaction was, Oh man, I love being in San Diego. But then I'm thinking Fenway park, a chance for a playoff contender. Oh man, this is great. By the time we landed, they had already made another move to uh, bolster up their bullpen with another lefty, a different lefty. I'm a righty. And they said, Hey, they changed their mind. The trade still went through, but you're going to Pawtucket. So I'm like, well, gosh, I went from being in the big leagues close to home to the furthest place away in AAA. So I did that and I stayed in Pawtucket for a couple months and uh, right around early September, they called me up. The Red Sox called me up. They said, Hey, the bullpen needs a little help. Uh, you're going to meet at the team in, in Boston tomorrow. So I was like, wow, amazing. And in September they, they expand the roster. Mm-hmm. So typically if you go in September, you're there. And so I'm thinking, man, I'm going to, I get to ride this whole thing out in Boston. And, one day uh, happens, the first day, I'm just sitting there. I, you know, play catch, do my thing, get my uniform. We win the game. Derek Lowe throws a complete game. And they, uh, at that time, Johnny Damon had dove. I didn't know this, but he dove for a ball in the outfield and hurt his finger. And so the next day, they thought, oh, man, Damon might have broke his finger. We need an outfielder. So they called up a guy named Adam Heisdu. Um, They needed a roster spot, and they sent me out. So I spent about a day and a half, didn't throw a pitch, um however i do like to ingest uh remind people that we played an interleague game when i was with san diego in fenway we got our butts kicked and i did pitch so i, I contributed a little <laughs> bit and um man I, dan i didn't think a thing of it the next spring training i'm with the giants i get a call from the red sox asking my ring size and uh, i was obviously blown away i think they were pretty excited about how long it had been 
So they're like, hey, popcorn vendor, kid who's sitting in the bullpen for a day, doesn't matter. Everyone's getting one. That, that's outstanding. Brandon Puffer joining us here on uh, the show as we talk uh, about his life story and his book that is just out from the bullpen to the state pen. All right, so let, let's let's get to that. Your, your career moves on. In, in 2007, you signed with the Texas Rangers, and, and you're playing double-A in Frisco uh, for the Rough Riders, and and team makes the playoffs, right? So yeah. you uh, you make the playoffs, and you decide to go out for a night on the town with your friends to celebrate. I did. T- I t- did take us did. through that night. I will, absolutely, Dan. Yeah, like you said, the Rangers kind of put, put me on as the Bull Durham role. Crash Davis, the old guy that made a little bit, had a little bit of time to um, you know mentor some of the young prospects they had. And I did that in 07, came back and did it in 08. They were kind of grooming me to be a bullpen coach. And September 13th, it was a Friday. Uh, we were in a championship series, like you alluded to, and the guys have been tugging at me to go out the whole year. Um, ever since 04, when I shared with you that I kind of let alcohol back in my life, it was a constant battle back and forth, just constant. And so it wasn't that I wasn't going out. It was that these young guys looked up to me as a chapel leader, as a mentor to them. And I didn't have the heart to tell them that I was struggling. Guys, I, I'm not who you think I am. I'm you think I have it going on? I don't. And I just never had the heart to say that. Instead of being honest, I just kind of lived that double life and faked it. And um, so it all came to a head on that Friday, September 13th. I just said, you know what? It's it's towards the end of the season. And these young guys have been great. I'm going to, what is one night, Dan? What is one time where I just kind of, you know, go ahead and compromise my beliefs? Let's go for it. It's just once. And they had, they had said during the season, what it's just one night. I said, guys, I can ruin my life in one night. So September 13th, we go out, um, you know, not to glorify anything. We just had, had a, a good time and I, I drank too much and blacked out. And I woke up September 14th in an orange jumpsuit, sitting next to a bunch of other folks in an orange jumpsuit. They called my name over the uh, intercom. A friend of mine from the team was there to bail me out because I'd called him the night before. I, I didn't remember. I said, how'd you know I was here? He said, man, you called me and I was hoping you were kidding, but I came to check and here you are. And so at that point is when I started reading through the reports that he had and going, man, what happened? What the heck have I done? You know, like what happened? Mm-hmm. And um, I, 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 it just depends on who's listening and, and how I'm led. But basically all the way that I had lived up to that point of, you know, trying to fill that God-shaped hole with alcohol and promiscuity and, and all those things that come to a head. And I had, you know, I tried to walk into a lady's apartment that I only met one time. Um, it was unlocked. I walked in about three in the morning and and actually tried to get in bed with her. And that's very embarrassing and shameful to say, but I'm open about it because I know people have struggles. And that got me a burglary of a habitation with the intent to commit a sexual assault. And so, man, I was like, my intent wasn't that. I know I made a bad decision, but at the end of the day, I put myself in that spot and um, I went and finished the championship series. And then I was out on bond for about nine months before I went to a jury trial. And we can talk more about that as however you, you want to lead it. Sure. Um, let's, let's just, let's go right. Well, no, let's, let's, let's go back because I, I, I find it interesting that you you get bailed out, you got these charges and you go and finish the championship series. First of all, uh, and, and 2007 or 2008 is not that long ago, but if that happened today, you would have been disassociated with a club so quickly that there would have been a vapor trail behind you. How did yes. it how did it end up that you still were able to play in that championship series? So it's interesting, Dan. I did, obviously didn't tell a soul. The guy who bailed me out was the clubhouse manager. 
Um, a couple of the teammates that day said I'd called them as well. They're like, hey, you called last night and you said, you know, that I said, nah, I was just kidding. And I just didn't tell anybody. I didn't, the biggest thing for me, Dan, and again, this was kind of a, a detriment. I'm not saying this as a brag, but mm -hmm. I didn't want to be, a, um, you know, the guy who was a, a distraction for the team during the series. I was the older guy. I was the veteran. I wanted to be a leader. But I just didn't say a word to anybody. And, and, and there was no no newspaper, no TV reports, nothing at the time. Your your name wasn't out there publicly having been charged with this yet. Not yet. Not yet. You're exactly right. That They hadn't picked up the charges. I hadn't been indicted. None of that had happened. So um, no, I guess none of the officers, you know, probably recognized it. Whatever the case may be, it just didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And to, so much so that I, I pitched in a game. Um, I went home thinking, okay, we're going to, we're going to put this one under the, the rug and get better. And about, um, it might've been a few weeks into the off season, I got a call from the Frisco Rough Riders media department. I had always been good buddies with everybody in the office. And he said, Hey man, did you get in a little, some little trouble, you know, last weekend here? I said, I did. Yeah. He said, well, I'm just letting you know, kind of a national media syndicate called me and asked about it. And if they're calling me, they're probably going to start running stories. He gave me a heads up and I just said, wow. Okay. Well, here we go. You know, I'm going to have to face the music and, and own it and, and just, you know, figure out what happens from here. So that all happened in the off season. I, as I said, I was out on bond for about nine months. And then I went to a jury trial, which was just in itself a super surreal moment. Three days of, you know, people trying to prosecute me. I had Nolan Ryan, Jackie Moore and guys like that come in as character witnesses. Um, and on the third day, the, the jury came in and sentenced me to five years in prison. And my attorney had said, you know, you're not, you've never been in trouble. You didn't have bad intention. You'll probably get probation, you know, so that kind of thing. Not that it, not trying to make it sound like it wasn't serious. It was very serious, but just in terms of, you know, legally how things happen. And so, you know, I was a little bit shocked. Obviously they came out and said five years, they put me in handcuffs. Um, I said, can I go say bye to my dad? They said, no, you can't. We own you now. And I went into a holding cell outside of that, that uh, courtroom. And Dan, this is where you talk about my love, my love affair with Jesus. This is where it happened. This is where it took everything from me. They put me in that cell, little eight by 10. And when the bars clanked, I could hear it right now, hear those bars just clank. I just looked up and surrendered and said, God, I, I, this is where I got myself. Um, you know, my, my thoughts, my ways, my plan, I surrender all from this point forward. And that's where the prayer changed in. I was praying before that, but it was more like, I'm sorry, <laughs> get me out of this. I don't want to go to jail. You know, I love my family. I was doing my kids the math on my kids' birthdays, like five years, I was doing that math in that cell mm -hmm. and I just broke. And that's what I needed. I needed to be broken. I needed to be humbled. Um, I needed the, the true contrition that came with those choices. And um, that's where that love affair started, even before I started serving my time. Three and a half years, you, you <laughs> stayed behind bars, right? Yes, sir. What what, what was that experience like? And, and, and was from your standpoint, looking back at it now with, with the hindsight being 2020 and, and, and God's view on things, was there anything positive that came out of it? Oh, a hundred percent. A lot of positive. I think we could spend this whole show talking about the positive, the biggest negative and the one regret, because everybody always asks me, would you change anything? Is that there was a victim and, and she, and she was hurt and not just her, but my family and her family. So obviously I have to say that first, that, you know, if I could take it back to save them that hurt, absolutely I would. But moving forward, that time away, A, allowed me to really be introspective and work on myself. And it's really uh, lended itself to me being a better mentor and coach towards young men now. Um, but also I was able to, 
um, speaking to some lives of folks in there that I never would have known about, Dan. Like I never had a heart for, for prisoners. I never knew what was going on behind bars. It just didn't, it wasn't my world. And so it opened up a whole new world to me. Um, I wrote about in the book, a few instances of guys that were serving life sentences. And I had a chance to be in a cell with them for, you know, hours at a time and, and read the word with them and speak into their lives and, and just encourage, I've always tried to be an encourager and it was no different there. I was able to encourage folks that I, I don't have the opportunity to encourage out here. Visiting with Brandon Puffer. Um, when, when we confess a sin, the Bible tells us to, to go and, and make it right with our brother. Yes. Have, have you had an opportunity to apologize to the victim in your case? I haven't personally, one-to-one. I wrote to a victim's assistance program when I was serving time because for a long time I wasn't allowed right. to. And to be honest, I'm still not super clear. And, and the last thing I would want to do is is rehash or trigger anything for anybody. Sure. But one of my prayers, and God has redeemed absolutely everything. And like, I mean, I started over when I got out and redemption with my relationship with my kiddos, uh, redemption in a in, in a relationship with my new fiance, redemption in, um, in baseball is everyday part of my life again. Um, so many things. And there's one that I prayed about since that day, and it's an opportunity to make amends uh, to the young lady. And I, I may get that choice. And and even in the book, I've mentioned it. And we try to honor her every time I share, because I want, I want her to know that, hey, I, my prayer when I was gone and sitting in that eight by 10 cell was, God, don't let this be in vain. You can use my story to help save other folks like her from knuckleheads like me thinking, hey, this will be okay. Or just save other men from making decisions like this or men and women, obviously, um, then that's what I'm trying to do. And that's what this is all about. And I hope, um, you know, she had a, a, a young daughter named Morgan and my daughter's name is Morgan. That's how I remember that. And there was a time where we were um, babysitting them, babysitting her. And she said to me, I haven't shared this on any pod. I never shared this publicly. She said, uh, Mr. Puffer, I wish I had a daddy like you because she saw me with my daughters mm. and it broke my heart. And I'm like, man, I later would, would cause grief in this, this life. And, you know, there's shame and, and guilt with that too, but I would love to make amends and, and, and maybe someday it'll be the power of I, I, the power of redemption is strong in my story. Maybe one day the power of forgiveness will be a part of it. I, I pray for that. When, when I share my testimony about the knucklehead that I was, uh, one of the things that I talk about is when God forgives you, you're forgiven. And, and, you know, the world is going to have its opinion, and, and there are still consequences to sin, even though you're forgiven. We know that. But I, I, I have heard people, and, and, and I talk about this in my testimony, you know, people say, well, I know God has forgiven me, but, but I just can't forgive myself. Yeah. Which my response is, so your standards are higher than God's, right? You know, come on. But, but yeah. how long did it take you to forgive yourself? Oh, yeah, it's, it's ongoing. It really is. It's ongoing. And I've, I've had this question before and I would love to say, oh man, you're right. God, God said it, he did it, it's done. And it is. And I know that here, but man, that the guilt and shame and those things like to creep back in, the enemy will tug at you um, for sure. So it's ongoing. It's, it's, it's daily, kind of like our sobriety and everything else. It's a daily, like, no, 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 we're not going there. God's got this. You're forgiven. Keep going. And especially when, when positive things are happening as mm -hmm. they are with the book and, you know, getting out there and sharing, you know, that little voice of, again, the imposter syndrome of, oh, you don't deserve this. Why would you be, you know? And so I, I wish I could say, but just being transparent, honest, mm -hmm. it, it's ongoing. It's daily. I got to pick that up and, or I guess not pick that up is a better choice of words. Yeah. Now, Satan likes to continuously remind you of your failures. 
and, sure and, and and that's that's one of his main points of attack for somebody who has stumbled but we're saved by grace and God's grace and forgiveness covers all of that and and, and I'm with you I'm with you because you know it's been uh, 10 and a half almost 11 years since I gave my life to Christ and at, at age 45 I'm a preacher's kid so you know I knew all of that growing up and yeah, yeah. and um, there there are still times when when things happen that you know Satan will he'll start poking at you. you know, are you, you know, are you really saved? Are you really forgiven? But I always, I always say, Brandon, I don't know if you've gotten to this point yet. That's one of the ways that I'm assured of my salvation. I mean, the Bible tells me I'm assured anyway, but that's one of the ways I know, because if, if, if Satan wasn't still poking at me, you know, uh, yeah. it, so that's a great point, Dan. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I liked it when I share with youngsters about faith and the enemy and all those things, I like to tell them like, the higher you're calling, the more, and I, and I say, like, imagine you're playing basketball, you're lighting it up, man. You're going for 40, you're hitting threes, you're going to the rack. They're going to put two guys on you. They're going to double team you, right? Because mm-hmm. you're effective. But if you're standing over in the corner and, and you got no game, no skills, <laughs> they're going to sag off you. So, that, yeah, I agree. The enemy's going to gonna gonna full court press. And that's why I try to remind myself, is like, okay, that's because God has forgiven me. He does have a calling. He's trying to trip me up. That's good stuff. Uh, let, let's talk about GPS Legends uh, as yeah. we start heading toward the end here. You're, you're, you're now taking all of your experience, baseball and otherwise, and, and trying to focus it into teenage boys as a mentor and a coach. I am, Dan. Just another redemptive quality of God. I mean, coming out, I'm thinking nobody's going to want me to coach or be around you know, their family or whatever the case may be. And and um, fast forward uh, eight years, it started with a couple lessons and a couple teams. And now I have a, a nonprofit youth and high school organization. We've got about 30 teams. So we get to impact you know, a lot of kids, a lot of families, um, about 300 at a time usually. And uh, yeah, it's great. We're here in Austin, Texas. It's um, just literally my passion. I always wondered how I was going to fulfill that, that competitive spirit or nature of competing on the mound. And it's this, it's watching other kids get to do it, advocating with them for schools and, and helping them through the process of being recruited or being the best version of them or adversity. And, and the great part is you, you asked about, you know, did any positive come out of my time is it's like, there's not a whole lot these guys are going to go through where I can't go guys. I've been there. You know, like, let, right. here's where I was and here's what I learned. And, and you, you don't have to go down that path and, or, or, you know, here's how you persevere through tough times and adversity. So yeah, love, love doing the GPS legends thing. It's absolutely wonderful. We've got so many great men that coach and faith-based uh, program. And so without those coaches and men pouring into these guys, you know, I wouldn't have it. So I'm just grateful. Yeah. One of the other advantages I would imagine to having the experiences that you've had is when one of these guys starts trying to blow smoke up your skirt, your, your antenna goes up real quick. You're able to see through it, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Every little thing. I'm like, uh-uh, man, been there, been there, done that. So, uh, yeah, it's neat. It does. I think the baseball that, you know, making it to the big leagues, is kind of like gives you a little credibility with them because that's their dream. But then the other stuff is where they kind of start really listening and going, Oh wow. It's, you, you've been through some things. And it's like, Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not, we're, we're obviously, we're preaching the message of you're so much more than just a baseball player. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of lends itself to, to sharing outside and off the field. So let's get to, as, as we start wrapping up here, the, the idea for the book. When did it happen? How did the book come about? And, and, and maybe more importantly, why did the book come about? Sure. Yeah, those are all great questions. I, I felt led during my time away. I did a lot of reading. I did a lot of journaling. 
Um, I was told several times, hey, you should write a book. And it was one of those things where I filed it away and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write a book. I definitely feel led to do that. And I picked it up, put it down, picked it up, put it down. And the reason why was exactly what we're talking about today. Like just getting it out there, being transparent, trying to encourage, especially two people. One, the person that's already made the big mistake and they feel unworthy and they feel like there's no way life can go on after this. And, and who would want to, you know, who would want to hear from them? It's that person, but it's also the person who may be headed down that road and, and maybe something in my story. And I've actually received messages as recently as this morning about guys going, Hey, just wanted you to know I've been sober all of January after reading your book and I'm trying to make this push. And I'm like, that's awesome, man. So to encourage people and just be real open about it. And then the, how it came about, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Will Severns of Streamline Books. I had a, a call from a mentor, Stephen Mackey said, Hey man, I'm trying to write a book. I, I got all these journals and I got all this stuff. I mean, I literally have my whole journal from prison, which is great. And um, he said, well, what do you need? And I said, honestly, and I've had this conversation with so many people. And his first person asked me that point blank. I said, I need someone to hold my hand through the whole process. Like, I, you asked me for a throwing program, Dan, or a workout program. I got you. But when it comes to putting together a book, I, I didn't have a clue. And so Will Severn, Streamlined Books, I, 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 you know, I guess for lack of a better term, hired them. And now it's a, a wonderful relationship. They helped me through the whole process, um, held me accountable, put a deadline on me and made sure I got it done. And I'm super grateful they did. They did an amazing job. You can find the book at brandonpuffer.com. His Twitter handle is at Coach Puff Positive minus the E, P-O-S-I-T-V, at Coach Puff Positive. Um, sales going well? Yeah, they're going well. I, honestly, I don't even know how to compare it. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, I didn't set out to write. A, it was funny, very early on, I want to say a couple days in, uh, I guess it was like a new hot thing. And there was a screenshot of me being ahead of Yachty has a book, Molina and then Judge. And I'm like, oh, there we go. I mean, I'm not I'm not making their money or their career, but I'll take it for a day. So it's going good. And more than that, man, the, the feedback has been great. I mean, just positive feedback from folks I know, folks I don't know. So encouraging. Just so encouraging. Um, so, yeah, it's been awesome. Yeah, if, if I wrote a book and it sold one copy, I would think it was selling well. So that, that, yeah. that. There you go, man. Yeah. As we uh, as we get ready to say goodbye in in sales, you always have to have your elevator pitch. You know, 30, 30 seconds to get your to get your main point across. Uh, what what is Brandon Puffer's elevator pitch? Well, I think it's just if we're talking in terms of why the story is important, I, I would say if you have struggles that you're afraid to share with anybody, you don't have people you can lean on or trust. Um, or if you just have already made a mistake, like I talked about earlier and need, need folks to come around you, don't be afraid to be honest. Just be honest about your struggles, your hurts, your habits, your hangups. You're only as sick as your secrets. Have someone, doesn't have to be everyone, but have someone that you can trust and believe in. And that first someone, in my opinion, and I know you share this opinion, Dan, is, is Jesus. Just literally. And if you're struggling with that relationship going, oh, Puff, I hear you saying this, but God doesn't care. Be honest with him. He'll talk to him just like you talk to me or Dan. Just ask him. Show yourself to me then if you showed yourself to this man in prison. Um, ask him, you know. So that's my other pitch. First, do business with him. And then surround yourself with some others that are going to continue to lift you up and encourage you. Hold you accountable, certainly, because uh, as we know, it, our decisions and choices are, are daily. And there's going to be consequences. And I've already gone through a five-year sobriety and then fell. So I know we're always just one 
choice. You're one day away from that. So I guess I'm just trying to throw all my points into yeah, one, but no, that, that would be if you had an elevator ride with someone who didn't know God and didn't know my story, that's what I would try to encourage them to do. Now, Proverbs tells us that iron sharpens iron. And, yes. and, and, we, and we as men, one of our resounding collective weaknesses is the fact that we think we can handle everything ourselves and, and we don't need help or we're too embarrassed to ask for help when things come along. Uh, I, I have a weekly coffee meeting every single week with a fellow deacon at our church and, and, and we share life and, and, and it is that iron sharpens iron moment. And it's amazing what happens if, if you allow yourself to drop that male bravado and, and you do what the word says. And, and, and if, if you'll do that, it's a, it's amazing what can happen in your life. Yeah. Just vulnerability. Just be vulnerable. It's okay. I think we feel like if we let a little bit out, we're going to lose the grip on everything. And it's like it's the opposite. If we don't let it out, it's going to take us over. Absolutely. Again, the uh, book is From the Bullpen to the State Pen. You can get it at brandonpuffer.com. And, again, you can find him on Twitter at Coach Puff Positive, P-O-S-I-T-V. And uh, you'll get encouraging stories and messages and uh, can interact with him there as well. Man, this is great. I, I'm I'm a, a baseball guy at my core. Uh, I I love uh, talking about the game every chance I every chance I get. I love talking about Jesus even more. So to be able to do both in the same interview, I mean this this is awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, hey, it's an honor, Dan. I really appreciate you having me, man. You're awesome. You can follow Brandon Puffer on Twitter at Coach Puff Positive. That's his handle, and again the book is from the bullpen to the state pen. And uh, you follow this guy on, on social media, the, the Coach Puff Positive. He, he is a positive guy. Just another incredible story of God's redemptive grace. Thank you again to Brandon Puffer. We'll take a break, come back, and uh, get into wrap-up mode on this 27th edition of the Dan Scott Show. Stay with us. Every day there are children who leave school on Friday and eat little, and sometimes nothing, until they come back to school on Monday. It happens in every community, including yours. Many of these children live in circumstances that deprive them of basic needs necessary for a quality life. At Grand Slam Ministries, we want to change that. We want to invest in our children, giving them hope for the future. That investment includes necessities such as food, clothing, school supplies, and a safe environment to play to study, to live. Please visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our ministry and how you can help. We're just getting started. Will you come alongside us for the children's sake? Again, that's grandslamministries.org. Teenage boys and young men today are in crisis. Statistics show that a home without a father or male role model present is the single biggest indicator of poverty, behavior issues, drug and alcohol abuse, criminal activity, and yes, imprisonment. At Grand Slam Ministries, one of our core missions is developing a mentorship program to teach boys how to become strong Christian men and then teach those men to be the biblical husbands, fathers, and church and community leaders the Bible calls us to be. We need your prayers, we need your ideas, and we need your support. Visit our website, grandslamministries.org, to find out more about our mentorship mission 
and prayerfully consider how you may be able to assist us. Again, that website is grandslamministries.org. Follow us on social media. Search Grand Slam Ministries on Facebook and Grand Slam for God on Twitter. And don't forget Dan's personal and public figure sites on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You're listening to The Dan Scott Show, presented by Grand Slam Ministries. Final segment of this week's show, and as always, our thanks to our guests, Brandon Puffer, former big league baseball player. Again, the name of the book is From the Bullpen to the State Pen. So you can find that wherever you get books, and uh, I would highly suggest reading it because we just kind of touched on the surface during the 40 minutes or so we had with Brandon about his story. There's a lot more detail to it, and uh, you're, you're going to want to check that out. And follow him again on Twitter at Coach Puff Positive. Uh, it will be very much worth your time. Want to remind you of a couple of things. Touched on it just a little while ago, but everything we do is archived once the show is done. DanScottShow.org, the Affiliates and Archives page. You can access every show from there or wherever you get your podcast. The Dan Scott Show podcast site uh, is available on virtually every podcast platform, and everything that we've done is there. So if you've missed episodes, you want to share something with somebody, you want to hear something again, you can do so. But we love our live listeners, and uh, I, I try to do this from time to time and need to do it more often, but want to make sure that we thank uh, by name our affiliates who are carrying the show because, as I mentioned, we started with two. We're up to 13 now, and uh, God has just grown this thing much more quickly and beyond what we ever could have expected. Our flagship station is uh, WGTK 94.5 FM, The Answer, in Greenville, South Carolina. We're also in the state of South Carolina on WZLA Classic Country 92.9 FM in Abbeville on Spartanburg Sports Radio 98.3 FM and 1400 AM in Spartanburg, South Carolina and on WFBS Sunny 107.9 FM in Salem, South Carolina. In Georgia, we're on WMNZ 1050 AM Montezuma, Georgia. And in Tennessee, we're on the Sports Monster, AM640 WXSM uh, in the Kingsport, Johnson City, Bristol market. And then on the internet, internet-only stations, Cornerstone Christian Radio out of Los Angeles, Lake Kiwi Radio here in South Carolina, our friends at Paisley Radio in Scotland, Kau Radio in Hawaii, Westside Mobile Media, two different stations out in Portland, Oregon, and our newest affiliate, OT&TFM in Eveleth, Minnesota. Just a, a thank you, a heartfelt thank you to all of you for jumping on board. All of the times that the shows are available on each of those affiliates, again, you can go to uh, the Dan Scott Show Affiliates and Archives page. You can click a blog link there, and it will take you to the page that I've been reading off of. It will show you the live airing times for each of the affiliates. So no matter where you are, there are times you can listen to the show live, either over the air or on the internet. And then as mentioned, if you can't catch it live, every program is archived 
there at the website and at the Dan Scott Show podcast site. So thank you to all of our affiliates. Uh, and uh, we're continuing to, to look to grow, uh, believing that God's going to continue to have his hand on this thing. I'll also remind you that while you're at the website, danscottshow.org, the Grand Slam Ministries site is actually a page there for the time being, grandslamministries.org. And that will tell you, if you're new to what we're doing, about our mission. And I've talked about it in previous episodes. We're in kind of a, a three-year, three-phase type of thing. Last year was getting the nonprofit formed and kind of learning all about that. This year, getting the radio show on the air and and getting the word out about Grand Slam Ministries. And then the plan is, God willing, next year to start putting some funding and some action into our core missions of not only the radio show, but of mentorship and providing necessities for children in the area where my wife and I live and expanding as we grow beyond that. Those are the core missions. You'll find all that information at grandslamministries.org. And of course, we would love for you to come alongside us as a partner. I mentioned last week, if we can get 200 people giving $25 a month and 200 people giving $10 a month, we would be able to do everything we want to do as far as exponentially growing the outreach of the radio show and begin ahead of schedule to start funding those core missions and getting boots on the ground and doing the kind of work that I know that God is leading us into. So prayerfully consider that. Take a look, grandslamministries.org, and uh, if God leads you to make a monthly or a one-time gift, I can promise you we would certainly appreciate it. It is good to be back after a uh, two-week vacation stint. And we're looking forward to being back again next week. I don't know which interview we're going to replay for you next week. I'll pop that out on social media. But whatever it is, it's going to be telling a great story of God's redemptive grace. Until then, thank you again for tuning in. I'm Dan Scott saying God bless you and so long, everybody.